It is a joyful thing to see everybody hugging and smiling and laughing. So we're going to move into an even more joyful thing. We're going to move into the Word. It comes in three segments today. So let me start with uh, Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that is within me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Well, good morning. Hey, how y'all doing this morning? Doing well. Has anybody been enjoying this weather? I mean, yes. I mean, can we... 90 degrees outside, you know, summer is officially here. You know, do we have any of those people who enjoy the cold more than the hot? Can we get a show of hands real quick? Oh, wow. It's a, it's a lot of people. That blows me away. You're forgiven. You know, God's grace. God's grace is sufficient. Um, no, but um, my name is Austin. Uh, if I haven't met you, I'm a pastor or intern here. So I preach every now and then. I'm on the leadership team. And I'm excited to, to get to talk Today, we um, have kind of been in a series called uh, The Deeply Formed Church. You see it on your bulletins. And um, pretty much we're going through the what, what are the marks of a healthy church? And we've been working through it. And uh, the healthy church puts down deep roots so that it can bear fruit in any and every season. And so today we're focusing on living a missional lifestyle. The mark of a healthy church is that the congregation, the members of the church are living um, a missional lifestyle. And that's a life that is one of being outward with our faith. And so that consists of helping people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, sharing the gospel, serving others, being intentional uh, with friendships in your neighborhood and your workplace. And we're focusing on this this morning. I will start with this is often hard to discuss because we're saturated in our society and a culture and a climate today where everybody says, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. And now some of that has rubbed off on Christianity. I kind of call it easy believism. So here's how I would describe easy believism. It, it simply means I, I believe God. I worship God. I do whatever I want. I believe God. I worship God. I do whatever I want. 
And um, God approves of me doing whatever I want as long as it's not blatant sin, you know, because everybody has small sins. So if it's a blatant sin, right, we don't, I know I'm forgiven for that and that's okay, but, you know, I just, you know, try not to do the small sins. And that's easy believism. I believe God, but my life doesn't. And so that's what a lot of modern day Christianity, a lot of society is kind of telling us we're saturated in that. So for us to kind of talk about works, grace and works and how they go together, honestly, is probably an uncomfortable type of conversation. So I'm excited to talk about it today um, because biblically it, it is drawn out very clear for us and it's not the way that we often talk about it. If you look into the scriptures, I mean, you can't get very far in the Genesis even without seeing that God pulls us inward and then he sends us outward. I mean, it's Abraham, you know, Early on in the scriptures, God says, Abraham, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be a father of many nations, but you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. Early on, Abraham is drawn in and then he's sent out. You see Moses, the same thing. God is like, hey, Moses, come here. You know, the burning bush, right? Moses, come here. Moses comes here, you know. Then he's like, now go be bold in front of the strongest man in the world right now. Now go be bold in front of Pharaoh. Moses Come here and then go be bold. If you look at the life of Jesus, he has solitude with the Father in the morning in prayer. Jesus woke up every morning and got alone with God and was drawn in, filling up his cup. I am eating with the Father this morning. And then he goes out and all day you see Jesus sharing the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom, healing people. Then all day he's out and about in the harvest with people. If you think about the early church, Acts 2, they're drawn in after Jesus ascends. They're drawn in to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he comes, the Holy Spirit comes down. And then what happens? The doors fly open. And then this gospel's for everybody. I mean, it gets wild, right? Really quick. It's like, what's up? Here is this good news of Jesus, right? As soon as the Holy Spirit come, them doors flew open. This gospel is for you. It's for your mama. It's for your uncles, your aunties, all your cousins and them. Yep, it's for everybody. This gospel, that is literally the picture that we see in Acts 2. God brings us in. We experience his presence and he sends us right back out. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to dig into that to build an accurate perspective of grace and works, because when we understand it, I think it's one of the most beautiful things that we can grasp. And you can't have works without grace, but you also can't have grace without works. And we're going to look at that in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 and that 1 Corinthians 15 passage. And so we're going to look at those two. We're going to discuss that. And then we're going to I uh, have three encouragements and three obstacles um, for us as we think about living a life on mission, specifically inviting people into the kingdom um, of God. And so if y'all look at that Ephesians 2, 8, 9, uh, you see, right, 2, 8, and 9 is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. Gift of God It's not by works. Nobody can boast. And so you can't have works without grace, What does that mean? That means salvation is all by grace. So to be saved is by grace in and of itself. That is the gift of God. It's through faith. There's no works that go into salvation. Zero. You can't do anything to earn that. So you can't have works without grace. That means if you're trying to do all these things to earn your salvation, I'm doing the the right things. I'm doing the right things but you haven't accepted God into your life, you are not saved. 
Works by themselves are not sufficient and you cannot be saved by works. And we see right here in this verse, God has given us this gift of his grace and him sending Jesus down the cross for our sin. That's God's grace, right? Through our faith. And so God's grace through our faith, that saves us. That's why nobody can boast about being saved, right? That's why verse nine, so that no one can boast. Nobody can boast about it because it's there for everybody. All you gotta do is believe have faith, you know, so easy a caveman can do it. You know what I mean? I don't even know what that reference is, but I've, I've just heard it before. Some type of commercial. Kaiko, thank you. So you can't have works without grace. You cannot have works without grace, but you also can't have grace without works. What does that mean? That means if we've truly received God's saving grace in our life, then we will work. You see, verse eight and nine, we have been saved by God's grace. We couldn't earn that. There's no works there. But in verse 10, if you look at verse 10, it says we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, God saves us, we're blessed, and then he saves us to do good works. So to be a blessing. Another way of saying this is saying God has not only saved us from something, but he has also saved us for something. God has not only saved us from something, but he's also saved us for something. And I understand that that thought right there, okay, I'm saved, right? To be created for good works, it lands different than to know that, oh, grace alone saves me, right? It's easier to accept grace alone saves me, but I'm created for good works is a little bit more uncomfortable. And honestly, I had to come around to that idea when I first started learning. I had a buddy who was helping me grow my faith and that wasn't just easy for me. You know, I wasn't excited to just, oh yeah, let's do good works for the Lord. You know, I wasn't excited to just go out and share the gospel and love on people. I know for me being outward, I was, I was cold to it. Um, over time, And through staying in the word, continuing to have conversations through seeing how God has moved in the scriptures and in other people's lives in front of me, I started to see that some of the reasons that I had on my heart were really just my own personal uncomfort with it. I was thinking thoughts like, you know, what will people think about me if I am really outward with my faith? Will I make a fool of myself and not know what I'm talking about? You know, can't I just walk with God, go to church, read my Bible and not bother anybody? Literally all these thoughts came across. I mean, I've had all of them. And as I reflect, I'm so glad, you know, that God brought me out of those things, out of those holdups, out of those mindsets, because God really had some amazing things and amazing ways, amazing works that he allowed me to step into, you know, and I wouldn't have seen, experienced any of those had I kept those um, obstacles. So I truly began to embrace God, not only saved us from something, but he's also saved us for something. And you see that also in that 1 Corinthians 15. If you turn there, Paul says, look, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called one. Paul says, I'm the worst of all people, literally. Starts off by saying, I was killing the Christians. I was killing them. And he was, and you see it in the scripture. But then he says, but by God's grace, by his amazing grace that I couldn't earn, I am what I am. He's saying, I am now what I could never have worked for. Only because of God's amazing grace that I stand here before you, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. I did nothing to earn that. But then he goes on. If you look at that verse 10, if that continued, he says, 
And his grace to me, this grace, this amazing grace was not without effect. In other words, this grace didn't come to me for no reason. In other words, this grace was not wasted. That's a different perspective to have about grace and worse, Paul says, I couldn't, I couldn't earn this. I am what I am because of God's grace, and I did not let that go to waste. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, you know? Like, dang, Paul, you know? Is that pride? You know, I'm like, man. But he's like, on the contrary, I worked harder than all of them. It's like, yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was with me, even in the works. God was with me, even in the works, that... I was doing. So as we think about that, as we think about that perspective with grace and works, how they go together, it's we don't work to become saved, but we work because we are saved. God, you've saved my life. I'm, I'm indebted. Whatever you want, send me. And you remember when Jesus was speaking um, with the sinful woman in front of the Pharisees in Luke 7, he says, those who are forgiven little loves little, those who are forgiven much loves much. And you know this thought, if, if, um, if we only knew how awful we really are apart from Christ, like where our life would be apart from God, if we only knew how awful we are, we would have so much compassion on the people, so much love for the people who are right now apart from Christ. We think about ourselves without God's grace. You can't have grace without works, but you also can't have works without grace. So I want to switch gears a little bit um, and kind of look at some of the more practicals. Okay, get into those three encouragements. I wanted us to have an understanding for grace and works. I feel like it is so distorted. But we're going to kind of dive into three encouragements. And primarily what we're talking about when we say missional lifestyle is sharing the gospel with those, loving on them and inviting them into the kingdom, inviting them into the kingdom of God for those who are not yet believers of Jesus Christ. Stepping into spaces where others don't know God is what we're primarily talking about. So we have three encouragements for why we should do that. Three encouragements for why we should, and then three obstacles of things that will keep us from it. Three things that I have honestly wrestled with and thought with that will keep us from it. But the first encouragement for why we should do it is that God entrusted us with the gospel. God entrusted us with his gospel. And so that word entrusted, the Google definition, I straight up Googled it, it means to assign the responsibility for doing something. Entrusted, he assigns the responsibility for doing something. And so we're talking about inviting those who are outside of the kingdom inside why we should do that is because God gave us that responsibility. He entrusted it to us. And if we look at 2 Corinthians 5, we'll see exactly what um, we're talking about. So if you follow along in that 2 Corinthians 5, if you start at 17, we see and it was 16. I apologize. I put it on there. I don't know why. You know, I was thinking 17 the whole time. So thanks, Joe, for reading it. But we're not even using it, you know. Um, but it's on there. So verse 17, we see God's grace here. Again, God has made this person completely new. And he pretty much says that if, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, right? Paul's like, I am what I am. He's a new creation. Anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, verse 17. And then verse 18, all this is from God. 
All of this is from God. All of this is God's grace. And he did two things. Verse 18, all this is from God. He reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God. He brought us to be reconciled, means to be brought back. He reconciled us to himself. He brought us to himself, and then he gave us, he entrusted us with the message, with the ministry of reconciliation. That's amazing. Brought us to himself and has allowed us to bring others to him. And then verse 19, he explains further what the ministry of reconciliation looks like. Verse 19, the ministry looks like the gospel itself, right? He says in verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's a straight up gospel. That's the straight up gospel. Jesus died on the cross for our sin, not counting our sins against us while we were still sinners. He died for us. God loved us, brought us back to himself. Free invitation. The beginning of that verse 19. And then he says, and, right? So part of the ministry of reconciliation is one, it's just the gospel in and of itself. Somebody could be reading the Bible, never heard anything about Jesus in their life and accept God because they read the gospel for themselves. Absolutely. That's the first part of that ministry of reconciliation. But then he says, and, verse 19, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God has chosen by his grace to use people to impact people. He has chosen by his grace to use people to impact people. God says, I believe in you and I want you to carry my gospel message to those who are outside of the kingdom. God says, I'm trusting you with this gospel. I've brought you to me, and now I'm sending you out with what you've been entrusted with, with what changed your life. God chose to use that. That's his chosen method. He didn't have to, but he chose to. He trusts us with this message. Verse 20 continues. He said, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You know what? That really blows my mind. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What a privilege that is. What a privilege it is to step into these places where people don't know God and be his ambassador. If we think about an ambassador of a country that's the representative of that country in a foreign land. We are God's representatives of heaven in a world that does not know him. We get to play a part in God reconciling the world back to himself. That is so exciting. We see very clearly here, God not only saves us from something, but he saves us for something. So why? The first encouragement, why should we invite others into the kingdom? Is because God trusts us with it. God believes in us. He says, I want you to. This is what I've given you. So the second encouragement we have is why we should continue to invite others into the kingdom is because we're already in position to be his ambassador. Okay, we're already in position to be his ambassador. What does this mean? What does this mean is right where you are, you don't have to go looking for places to represent God, right? You can do it right where you're at. You have to go looking around for these new places where people don't follow God. I I guarantee everybody in here can probably think of 10 to 12 people in their life who are not walking with God, who do not have a relationship with God, 
I bet you can think of 10 to 12 people. Maybe it's co-workers. Maybe it's, you know, the neighbors in the neighborhood. Maybe it's uh, family members. It could be people, you know, at the gym who you work out with, friends you've met, you know, at bingo nights, you know. I know nobody goes to bingo, but <laughs> I just need another example. But I'm sure you got people, so many people, 10, 20, 30, that you can think of who don't know God. God already has you there to be his ambassador. We don't have to go looking. How can we take advantage of these friendships that we already have, become closer with them, love on them, care for them, share the gospel with them? How can we do that? And so we're kind of getting a little bit practical here. But the first question that I would think, how can where I'm already at, the places God already has me, how can I be his ambassador there? Well, first question I would think is, how can I get into their life more? And how can I get them into my life more? Right? That's the place we'd start. If I'm going to be, if I'm already in place, how can I get them into my life? And how can I get more in their life? And I mean, a couple ideas, a couple things that, you know, I've done in the past, I'm like, we could take advantage of sporting events going on. We can invite our friends or neighbors to a game or event if there's anything local happening. If there's anything local happening, invite some of your coworkers or some neighbors, go out to a game, right? Go to a Cardinals game, go to a Royals game, Kansas City, have a road trip, make, have some fun, make memories, get to know people in those environments. Um, you can have coworkers over to your place, watch the NBA playoffs game. Literally, it's going on right now, you know, get to know them better. Another idea is, is five, five of y'all in here, five or 10 or whatever, y'all could coordinate and have a barbecue. Y'all have a barbecue and each of you guys in here, you, you say, okay, hey, all of us are going to bring two of our friends who don't know the Lord. We'll put this barbecue together. And then I get to meet your friends, you get to meet my friends, and they get to see the body of believers. And we get to have a good time and I get to know them and I get to hang with them and I get to build trust with them. And then I will share the gospel with them one day. Things like that on an individual level. One thing I did when I was working at VU is um, after I meet somebody or becomes friends with guys, I would invite them to billiards, right? Did any of y'all play pool? I'm like, man, I love playing pool. Have some fire conversations over a pool game. You know, I mean, we're playing and it honestly is a great environment to have conversation. It really, and I'm like, well, I would invite him over, we play some pool. One guy I had actually a friend who I invited over to play some pool and he opened up. I mean, he was, he was older than me, a lot older. He was like 40, you know, I'm 26, but we were hanging and I was, you know, it was, it was my guy from VU. And um, he opened up to me about what his problem was with, with Christianity. I asked him a spiritual question. Hey man, like everybody's on a spiritual journey, you know, what's yours been like? And he was like, man, you know, and he has some problems with Christianity he talked about. And then he started talking about how, all religions, he believes, has some good in them. We got to have a fire conversation that day. That was a ball, the ball moving down the field. So you're already in position. God has you where he has you for a reason. Look around, strengthen those relationships you already have in place, build them up, take initiative, get creative. I mean, God has you where he has you for you to be his ambassador. The last encouragement I'll say is living outward. For me, I've personally felt this. Living outward makes my inward more rich. As I live outward, my inward is just so much more 
rich. And I'm like, this is how God has designed it. This is what we saw in the scriptures. God draws us in to send us out. And if I'm not going out, you know, I'm missing out. We experience so much of God when we live outward. You know, it's funny when you look at even Paul's life, um, when he was outward, well, when he was living, um, he was very desperate as he was out and about because he was sharing the gospel with a lot of people always. You know, Paul was planting churches and running around and, you know, he was persecuted heavily, right? Prison um, was, was awaiting him. He was being hunted down. And in that time, what you see is, yes, his outward was like, Paul, your life is crazy, but his inward, his faith was flourishing. His faith was at an all-time high. And when we live outward and share the gospel with people and love on people, you know, a little persecution here from some people for sharing our faith, a little rejection here for sharing our faith, that's often the best thing for us. That often draws us closer to God. God, I need you. I'm misunderstood out here. But when I come to you, God, oh, I, I, I'm completely understood. I look at Paul's life and I'm like, man, Paul, I feel you. Suddenly we're clinging to God's promises and we're praying without ceasing. Um, the Dead Sea and the Red Sea is an old illustration, but the Red Sea, uh, it has an entrance and it has an exit. And so the Red Sea is healthy. Flows in, flows out. The Red Sea just, you know, just continues to remain healthy. It, it, one Water coming in, water going out. But the Dead Sea has something coming in, but it has no place to go out. So the Dead Sea is literally dead. Like if you laid flat on the top of it and put in no effort, you'd float. That's the Dead Sea. It's salt, I mean, it's salted out. I don't even know how to even describe that. Some of y'all could probably tell me the science behind all that and why that doesn't work. I don't know fully. What I do know is it's the Dead Sea. And, um, <laughs> and because nothing is flowing out of it, it, it's backed up. It is not healthy. It's not thriving like a sea really should. And I think that the same thing is true for us. We experience so much of God when we are outward and our inward is all the much more deeper. So three encouragements. Living outward makes my inward more rich. You're already positioned to be his ambassador and God trusts us with his gospel. And we have three obstacles, three quick obstacles. And one, this is a mindset that I had for a long time, uh, for those months that I was cold to, toward sharing my faith. But the mindset is people will see my life and that will be my witness. People will see my life and that will be me sharing the gospel with them. I personally felt this. I'm like, everybody's living this way. If I live this way, Oh, it's going, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. The only problem that I came across in the word with that is Jesus lived perfectly and he used words. Jesus lived a perfect life of deeds. He would stick out like the most sore thumb and he still used words. He still shared the gospel verbally. Started to see, man, I may live a great deed life, but my life won't explain to them that Jesus loves them, cares for them, and died on the cross for them. 
You know, a principle I always come back to is, is in my relationships as I think about, you know, living a life and, and, and sharing vocally, verbally, is I always want to be relational with people and I always want to be intentional. So I want to be relational, absolutely. I invite people into my life. You love on people. You care about people. You feed people, clothe people if they need it. You meet their whatever you need, you love on them. You just love on them. Be a resource for them because you do genuinely care for them. And as that's going on, I also want to be intentional. I also want to make sure they know that the reason I'm loving on them is because I love God. I want to ask them questions. Hey, how is your relationship with God? Do you have one? You know, one, one that I mentioned earlier is everybody's on a spiritual journey. Would you mind sharing yours with me? I love asking that to people. Hey, what has faith been like in your life? Sharing a testimony, sharing my own story. I mean, it's just, it's so easy to do. And it's just funny because I'm so intentional about other things in life, if you think about it. Like I have a very thorough plan about how I spend my money each month, you know, down to the nickel. I'm like, you know, I am. It's very thorough how I'm very intentional about how I'm spending my money. You know, everything about people taking vacations, it's like, hey, okay, you're, you're locking in these vacations. Some people making itineraries for them down to like a thorough intentionality toward these. But when we think about evangelism or people who don't know God, it oftentimes if we were to think and desire to make a plan, it feels wrong. It's like, man, what, you know, it feels wrong. It's uncomfortable. I'm like, man, that's the best thing we can be intentional about. You know, people coming to know God, the friends that are in our lives as it is. So that first obstacle that I've personally experienced is they will see my life and that will be my witness in and of itself. The second one is I'm not equipped to share my faith. And I understand that. I mean, honestly, um, we've been having conversations and things about how we can equip people. And if, if you've never been trained to share your faith or never had a tool or something, and it's like you, 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 you'll feel like you don't know how to share your faith. I mean, for me, when I first was thinking about sharing my faith, I was like, what would I even say to, you know? I'm like, what am I going to tell this dude? But I would just say that all of us know the gospel, and that's all we really need to know. You know, I know that Jesus died on the cross for all humanity, rose from the dead. And if we follow him, we will also rise from the dead and be in heaven with him one day. He did that for every person. Because we know that, we can share that. You know, Romans 5, one thing I did early on was Romans 5, 8, I just memorized. And it's, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I just told that to people sometimes. Hey, bro, God, Christ died for you, bro. You know, it was rough sometimes. You know, people like... What are you talking about? You know, just kidding. It was never that, that rough. But. but I would hate for us to just hide behind the reason that we don't share our faith is because we don't know how. I don't know how to share my faith. Because even on a base level, there is a lot of power and freedom in telling somebody, hey, I don't have a ton of answers to all your questions. I can't put together this elaborate gospel message for you. All I do know is Jesus is changing my life radically right now. There is so much power in that for people. Short story, I remember one of my first, the first time I shared the gospel with one of my roommates. I mean, it had to, I had to, it had to have been heresy. It probably was just all over the place. I don't even know what I was telling them. God's grace covered it, though. I really don't even remember what I said to him. But the next morning, it was one of my roommates. I had like eight roommates, and uh, we lived in this big apartment in freshman year in college. 
next morning, 6 a.m., he was standing at my bed and he was like, hey, bro, what'd you say last night? I've been thinking about it all night. I just shared with him. I didn't know what I was talking about, but God used that in his life. And he was thinking about it, thinking about it throughout the night. I'm like, you don't have to know everything. So I'm not equipped to share my faith is, is often an obstacle. It was an obstacle for me and it can be an obstacle for us. Don't let it be. And the last one is just fear. Um, straight up fear. It's scary to think about sharing your faith. I'm going to be outward with my faith and tell my good friends, those 10 or 12 people you just thought of, man, I can't imagine sharing with them, right? That's scary. I understand that. Quick story. I had a friend, Byron, when I was in college. Byron was a couple years older. He graduated before I did, but Byron was the guy that everybody loved. He was known for all the things of the world. You know, he was just, he was that big personality guy. And, you know, Byron's coming back in town this weekend. We're having a reunion and, and um, my heart's beating. I know God is like, hey, you need to share with Byron. I just know that's what God, I'm like, I, cause I knew he was coming back. And, and you know why? Somebody had told me, I said, hey, if you're really scared to talk to this person about God, that's exactly who you need to talk to. And I was, my palms were sweaty. My palms don't usually get sweaty. You know, I'm like, man, I am in here timid. And so Byron, and you know what happened? I said, okay, God, I pray for an opportunity to share with Byron. If, If you want me to, which I know you do, I'm your ambassador. I pray for an opportunity to share with Byron. And and I kid you not, it's like 3 p.m. Everybody's randomly like, I'm going on an errand. Byron, they like, Byron, you want to come? Be like, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. Like six people got up and randomly just left. And I'm on the couch and Byron's at the table. And I'm like, what is going on? You know? And I'm like, okay. So then it was just me and him in the house. So then I, I talked to him about God, asked him a couple questions, got to talking. He told me his hold up with Christianity. We had a great conversation. I was so glad I stepped into that. I was so glad I was bold in that moment. I was so glad to have talked to Byron about that. And it didn't, I mean, Byron, he's not walking with the Lord right now. So it was just more of an obedience thing. I was just, it was me overcoming my own fear. But I got to share the gospel with him and talk to him about God. And he got to see that and hear that from me. So, you know, that was a time in which there was a story that came up in which I responded the way that I would like to every time. But then there was one other time, you know, I, I was working at VU, you know, um, and I was one of my direct managers at the time. And um, I was thinking about sharing the gospel with this guy for a couple weeks. And, and I just felt like God was like, hey, you know, you, you need to. I'm like, yes, I know I need to. I'm your ambassador. You know, I'm just, he's just knocking at the door. I'm like, I know, I understand. And, um, and I was... I was nervous for a couple different reasons. I was like, one, well, he's my direct manager. I don't know what this is going to go like. But then two, I know he's vocally been outward about a couple things. I knew he didn't like, like God. I knew he wasn't on that. So I knew where he stood. He kind of vocalized a couple things. So I was just a little extra nervous. And I'm sitting here thinking about it. And there, there came a time I prayed for an opportunity again. And then there came a time where I had the opportunity. Took a break at the same time. And we're just kind of just chilling. And I remember in my head, just, man, just... Just ask him, you know, five seconds of boldness. What do you think about God? You know, just ask him. 
Five seconds of boldness is all I need. Once we get in the conversation, I'm usually, we're usually good. But I didn't ask him. I did not ask him. I didn't mention God. Didn't bring him up. I didn't hint at anything. I didn't ask him. And you know, all I could think about after not asking him that was, God, were you trying to draw that man to yourself through me? God, was that conversation about to be a life-changing conversation for him? That was all I could think about. What if God was about to change that man's life through that conversation right there? I didn't even give God the opportunity to use me right there. I didn't even give God the opportunity. I don't know what would have happened. That's what I kept thinking about. And I was just like, man, and I just regretted it. It was just, it was regret, but only because I was like, God, I don't know what you could have done with that. And what I found in reflection and thinking about, and there's been a lot of times, there's been a few times like that in my life where I just was about to, and then kind of just got scared, you know, got scared. And you know, what I found is I've never regretted going for it and just sharing the gospel or being bold. I've never regretted that, not once. It doesn't matter how it's turned out. I've never regretted that. But just about 100% of the time, I always regret holding it in. Just about 100% of the time, I always regret holding it in. 2 Timothy 1.7 is one of the early verses that I memorized and is, for God did not give us his spirit, a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Sometimes that would just ring in my mind um, whenever I'd be in those, uh, in, those, in those moments. So fear has been a big one. And honestly, the longer I've done it, the more comfortable I am doing it for sure, but I still get nervous, okay? Nerves are just a very real, I still get them. Still timid sometimes, I have to fight against my flesh. But the longer you share the more you share, the more you are used to sharing. And uh, I kind of want to end with this. Jack Miller, he says, Jesus didn't give us the great commission and then leave us alone to accomplish it. Jesus didn't give us the great commission and then leave us alone to accomplish it. He says, as he sends us, he goes with us. Jesus has left us his Holy Spirit who now lives in us by faith. Don't underestimate the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. There is a big difference between doing work for God and doing work with God. We can be bold and live on mission because of who we are with. And God trusts us with his gospel. I'll pray for us.